Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. Well, you know, today we, we come to the, ser- to the end of the series called Freedom. And what I wanted to do in the series was to really help you understand what it means to be a new creation in Christ. Because I know we read about that. We, it often gets preached. But I don't think many believers truly understand what it means when the Bible says that we are a new creation. And what I mainly wanted to do was to be able to expose the lies and the deception that the enemy uses to stop us from being and becoming the new person that God wants us to be. And let me tell you that I truly believe that he has done all he can to keep people away from church during this series. Here's why. He doesn't want to get caught. Because once he gets caught... He's got to go and his lies have to go. And then the truth and the blessing of Jesus can come into our lives. So so I really know the enemy has kept people away from this series because he he doesn't want to get caught. He doesn't want to lose his power. And throughout this week, throughout this series, we talked about what it means to be a new creation in Christ. We talked that that being new in Christ is not about what we feel, but what we believe about what God says. That being new is not about feelings, but it is about faith. And then we also learned that being new in Christ doesn't mean that we just have our sins forgiven, but that we are set free from sin. That is where before we didn't have an option, we, all we could do was sin, which we got to stop expecting non-Christians to behave like Christians because they can't. They're enslaved to sin. But you and I, we have been set free. And now we can sin, but we sin not because we have to, but because we want to. And understanding that we are a new creation in Christ uh, means that we understand that we have been set free and I don't have to sin, that I am not a master, that I am not a slave to sin and sin is not my master. And what I want to do today, I want to talk to you about finding freedom from strongholds, finding freedom from demonic activity, finding freedom from demonic oppression, and in some cases, even demonic possession. Now you're probably thinking, Pastor, after Thanksgiving? Yes, after Thanksgiving. So right there in your outline, I, I promise you I'm not going to do any, anything spooky today. I'm not gonna, my intention is not to scare you. My intention truly is to expose the lies of the enemy and to show you and help you embrace God's truth when it comes to this topic. Because let me tell you something. I truly believe that there's a lot of believers who are not truly free. They're freer. In other words, they improve their lives since they've come to Jesus, but their lives haven't been truly transformed because although they've embraced some aspects of the Christian faith, they have not embraced all the aspects of the Christian faith. 
So that's my goal. It's not to scare you. But look, we're going to read a story in Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. This is, I know it's a big portion. Some of you, this is more Bible than you've read all year, but it's all right. That's why you come to church. Amen? Is that all right? By the way, in the U version, we put a, a, a three-day plan that you, can, that you can follow along with today's topic, and you can use that as your devotionals this week. But let's read what Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20 says. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of Gerasene. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by a what? Evil spirit came out from where? The tombs to meet him. Now, here's what you got to know. The tombs in Jesus' days were not like our days. They were caves. So this man that was, that was possessed by a demon lived in the cemetery, but they were caves. That, he made his dwelling home in those caves. Verse 3, this man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be what? Restrained, even with chains. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one, this is awesome, no one was strong enough to subdue him. And they had tried plenty of times, but no one. Verse 5, day and night, he wandered among the burial caves in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man what? Saw him, ran to meet him, and what did he do? Bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God, in the name of God? Now, this is the demon speaking. This is not the man speaking. This is the demon speaking through the man. And, and I, thought, I thought I noticed something funny. The demon tries to use God's name against Jesus. Did you catch that? He says, in the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. Now, we know this is the demon speaking and not the man, because Jesus wouldn't torture a man. Right? Verse 8, for Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of that man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is what? Legion. Because there are many of us inside this man. Legion is a Roman word that describes 8,626 soldiers. We don't know if this man had that many demons, but he had way too many. So is it possible to have more than one demon? Absolutely. Absolutely. Verse 10, then the evil spirit begged them again and again not to send them to some distant place. And we're going to talk about why, why they didn't want that. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us, what? Enter them. So Jesus gave them what? Permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. That's so important. It's so important that these demons say, send us to those pigs. Don't, don't, don't cast us out in a far place. Let us enter those pigs. And as soon as they enter them, what did those demons do to those pigs? They lead them to their doom. I'm getting ahead of myself here, but let me tell you something. 
The purpose of demons and evil spirits in our lives is to bring destruction and death in our life. They have no other goal. That's what they were doing with this man, and that's what they did to these pigs. They doomed them to their death. Verse 14. The herdsmen fled to a nearby town in the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. Look at this. He was sitting there, fully clothed, and perfectly sane. Because another version tells us that this man ran around naked. Not only did he live in the tombs, but he ran around naked, cutting himself and scaring people. But Jesus sets them free, and when the people come back to hear, what, to see what they had heard about, they find the man fully clothed and sane. Where was I? Verse 18. Oh no, verse 15. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane. And look at this. And they were what? They were all afraid. You know why they were afraid? Because they didn't understand. They didn't understand Jesus and they didn't understand evil spirits. And there's a lot of Christians today who are afraid of, 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 of demons. They're afraid of evil spirits because they don't understand what our relation is to them. But we're going to learn that today. Verse 16, those who have seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus what? To leave them. Wow. You would think these people would have wanted Jesus to hold a seminar or a workshop or a service or a worship night so that everybody could be set free. But what did they do? He said, Jesus, you got to go. This scares us. But Jesus said, but Jesus said, uh, where was I? 15? 18. 18. Jesus was getting into the boat. The man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home where? Her family. He had been separated from his family. And now Jesus was restoring him to his family. And tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things that Jesus had done for him. He became an evangelist. And everyone was amazed at what he had told them. You know, I don't know what your belief about evil spirits and demons is, but I want to be able to, to tell you three truths that we learn from this passage that are going to help you understand how we can truly be set free. But before I give those to you, can I tell you a joke? I just heard a really good joke that I thought it went with today's topic. Because I see you guys some, I was going to start off with the joke, but I said, you know, after the story, I feel that it's going to be really serious. So I got to lighten up the mood. Is that all right? So it says that a couple of ladies were sitting around enjoying tea when suddenly Satan appeared among them. All the ladies but one ran hysterically. One woman stood there, and when Satan noticed that she didn't move, he says to her, hey, don't you know who I am? To which she replies, yep, sure do. So Satan says, well, 
Aren't you afraid of me? Nope, sure ain't, she says. So Satan becomes bothered by this and says, well, why aren't you afraid of me? To which she responds, I've been married to your brother for 25 years. <laughs> Three truths we learn from the story in, in, uh, um, in Mark chapter 5. And understanding these three truths will provide freedom from strongholds or demonic possession. Let's look at what, at what those are. The first thing that I want you to understand that the story teaches us is that, and you can fill this out in your outline, that there really are demons. Demons are real. The word demon is in the Bible about 80 plus times. 61 plus times is found in the Gospels. Do you know why demons are addressed more in the Gospels than they are in the Old Testament? Because until Jesus came, nobody had authority to deal with them like Jesus did. And the Bible tells us that demons come from fallen angels. That one third of all the angels rebelled and were cast down from heaven and they became demons. So let me tell you, there's a lot of demons out there. But here's what you need to know. For every one demon that is against us as believers, there's two angels for us as believers. Because only one third of all angels fell. So that means there's still two thirds of angels that are there to minister, to protect us, to guide us, and to be of our service. Now, demons have specific assignments. There's a demon, there's demons of lust, there's demons of envy, there's demons of suicide, there's demons of hate, of sickness, of pride, of lies, of materialism. A lot of times people think that whenever they have a satanic or demonic oppression, they say, oh, it's Satan. Most likely it's not Satan, it's a demon. Because Satan, like on Jesus, cannot be everywhere. And I hate to burst your bubble, you're probably not that important for Satan himself to come visit you. Okay? So they're demons, and they're demons that have specific assignments. Now, the Bible tells us what the purpose of Satan and this demons is. Right there in your outlines, in John 10.10. 10. It says, the thief's purpose... Okay, and this is Satan's purpose. So, so the demons are there to accomplish Satan's wishes. They're, they're his, his workers. And the thieves' purpose is what? To steal and kill and destroy. That's why those pigs, as soon as the demons entered them, those pigs flew off the cliff. And there is a belief in our days that demons are make-believe, that they're fictional. But they're not. We as believers believe that demons are real because Jesus spoke about them and a big part of Jesus' ministry was dealing with them. They are not a Hollywood story. They are not a traditional make-believe. They are real. C.S. Lewis says that there's two types of people, there's two groups of people that Satan loves. Skeptics and superstitious people. Skeptics are people who deny that demons exist at all and Satan loves them because if you don't believe they're real, then you can't believe that, they can, that you can be free from them. Right. 
And superstitious people are people who see a demon behind everything. And I want to tell you that there isn't a demon behind everything all the time. In fact, I heard an old story. It says that one day a usher was finally closing the church. And as he was coming out of the parking lot, he noticed Satan crying on the, on the curb of the street. And that he was intrigued by it. And he says, Satan, what's wrong with you? Why are you crying? And he says, well, the people in there blame me for everything. <laughs> I hope you know I'm joking, right? These are jokes. So listen, if you're on either side of these camps, you got to move more towards the middle. You cannot be a skeptic and you cannot be superstitious. You cannot believe that there's a demon. When we were in Bible school, I had two friends and they're still good friends and they're pastors now. But we had two friends that we used to call them the Ghostbusters. Because they went looking for demons everywhere. You know? And, 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 and Satan loves these two camps because they are not the truth. Here's the second thing you need to understand to be truly free. Not only that they really do exist, but they really do enter people. Demons, listen to this, are disembodied spirits. And they are looking for bodies to inhabit. That's why the demons ask Jesus to let them enter the pig. And because demons are real, they really do enter people. I know what you're thinking. Well, pastor, can Christians be demon-possessed? The answer is no, not true Christians. I think there's some verbal Christians that have demons in them because there isn't that relationship with Jesus. But any person that has been washed by the blood of Jesus, that has been sanctified by Jesus' righteousness, and has a relationship with Jesus, cannot be demon-possessed. So what is our relationship as Christians then? If we cannot be possessed, then what is our relationship? Well, a demon cannot possess a Christian, but a demon can oppress, influence a Christian. So while they can't enter you, they do work around you. The word possession means ownership. So a demon cannot own a Christian because we belong to God. We have been washed by the blood and the spirit of God has been deposited into our lives as a seal, as a guarantee that we are God's people. But that doesn't stop demons. Demons do work around believers to oppress us, to trouble us, and to tempt us. And here's, here's what you need to know if you're a Christian. The enemy knows your history and he knows your weaknesses. And he focuses on those. And that's how he tries to get you. That's how he tries to, to capture you. He tries to influence you through your weaknesses and your history in your flesh. So he can't force you, but he does study you well. Oh, I saw him looking at the girl. Maybe I can bring more girls by and help him notice more girls so that his lust grow. Listen to this. This is so important. When we as believers obey our flesh or sin, okay, 
Last time I preached to you, I told you that we have been set free from sin. Now you have a choice. Christians can still sin. They shouldn't, but they still can. And when we as Christians obey our flesh, obey our sin, time after time after time, that activity, that choice becomes a stronghold, becomes an area of control, becomes an area of power where, any, where, the, where the demons influence our lives and they, 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 they attack us in that way. That's why it's so important that we be careful with what we do, with what we say, and what we watch. Because what starts as a free choice, then you become so familiar with it that the demons tempt you and you keep falling for it. What you choose to obey, listen to this, becomes your master. Romans 6.16, right there in your outlines, look at what it says. Don't you realize, and this is Paul speaking, by the way, Chapter 6 is the verse that I used two weeks ago to talk about the fact that we have been set free from sin, that we are no longer slaves. But look at what Paul continues on to say. It says, don't you realize, and he's talking to believers, that you become slaves of whatever you what? Choose to obey. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to what? Death. Or you can choose to obey God, which leads to what? Righteousness. In John 8, 34... Jesus is talking about being set free. And, and look at what he says in John 8, 34. He says, Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a what? Slave of sin. The word commit is not just to accidentally commit sin. It's to plan sin. And anybody who formulates a plan to commit to do and to hide sin, that is not a weakness, that is a stronghold. That is an area that the enemy has come to influence you and that is the way he gets his way with you. Not because he has authority over you, but because you have given him a foothold. You've given him a space to be able to influence you. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians 4, 27, it says this. Do not give the enemy what? A foothold. You know what's a foothold? I want to show you a picture. This is a foothold. Where's my picture? There you go. A foothold is any crevice that the enemy can use as his leverage. And you know, one of the, this is my problem, okay? And maybe this is just me. One of my problems with American Christianity is that we're constantly asking how close to sin can I get without sinning instead of asking how far away from sin can I get and still be an impact to non-believers. Instead of saying we are not going to give a foothold to the enemy, we are trying to find how many footholds we can give him without actually becoming possessed. And listen... Demonic movies, demonic cartoons, demonic video games, witchcraft, fortune telling, celebrating holidays that celebrates ghosts and witches are footholds that open the door to the enemy. Halloween literally means worship. And when
when we participate of these things as Christians, we are giving the enemy a foothold in our life. Don't read the horoscope. You want to know what your future is? Read the Bible. That's your future. A foot, the, the horoscope is just a foothold for the enemy to bring his lies and deception into your life. And I know, I know, I know, I know. Especially, especially um, the new theology, right? They, they, they would think that what I'm saying, I'm exaggerating, that I'm, that I'm being an extremist. But let me illustrate it this way. I just want to give you this illustration. If the doorbell rang in your house or apartment and you peeked through the little hole and you saw masked men with black t-shirts, black pants, guns, and knives, and you knew they were there, not for a good purpose, would you unlock the door and crack it open? Let me tell you something. If you've watched pornography, that's exactly what you've done. If you've participated in satanic or ungodly things, that's exactly what you've done. You've unlocked the door and you've cracked the door and given the enemy a foothold. I'd share with you, that's one of the reasons we don't watch scary movies. Not because we're scared. We're not scared. Lorena went to go visit her mom the other day for three days, and I was home alone for three days in that house by myself, and I slept with the lights off. You know why? Because even if there's demons there, they got nothing on me. Nothing. You know, some of you, you watch things. You, 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 you put scary movies, and then your kids can't sleep at night, and you get all mad. You get all upset. It's your fault. You've made a way. Some of you ladies, you sit down and you watch movies with so much nudity in them and you don't do anything, but then you wonder why your husband keeps looking at other women. Well, you've cracked the, you've unlocked the door and cracked the door open for the enemy to have a foothold. And those footholds become strongholds. Listen, is there an area of your life is there an area of your life that you can't experience victory? Where you feel powerless, hopeless? Is there a sin that you've confessed over and 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 I don't have enough overs to God and you've said, I'm not going to do it again, but you do it again? Can I tell you something in, in the most loving way? That's not a weakness. That's a stronghold. That's not a weakness. Yes, God is working through that, but that is not a weakness. That is a stronghold. Now, listen, these aren't bad news. Well, I'm not telling you this to scare you. I'm not telling this to make you feel bad. I'm not telling you this so that you can feel like a second-degree Christian. No, no, no. I'm telling you this because if that is true in your life, I know the one that can set you free. The good news is that if there are areas of stronghold in our life, there is the one that can set us free. You don't have to stay in bondage. You don't have to stay possessed. You don't have to stay as a slave. You can be set free. Amen. Here's the third thing you got to know. Jesus really does have authority over demons. And that's the good news. That's why, wait, listen, 
I don't, I don't have enough time to tell you a story. But uh, you can't be afraid of demons. Why? Because Jesus has authority over every evil and foul spirit. And here's the, the amazing thing. Jesus not only has authority, he's given us that authority. Look at what Luke 10, 30, 10 17 says. It says, when the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported. Let, let, let me tell you what, what Jesus did here, right? He gets all his disciples, not just the 12, but the 70, and he pairs them up and he sends them out to preach the gospel. And he says, go into the towns and tell people the good news. When they come back, this is the, the, the passage. says, when the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him. They were full of joy. L listen how excited and why they were excited. Lord, even the what? Demons obey us. When what? Use your name. When we use your name. Not when you go get a limpia. Not when you rub an egg. Not when you light up a candle. Not when you... No, 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 no. What is the authority over demons? Jesus. Verse 18. Yes, Jesus told them. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, it's so awesome. I have given who? You authority over all the powers of the enemy. We as believers have authority over every demonic spirit, over every demonic authority, not because of our own doing, but because of Jesus. It says, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions. And this is figuratively, not literally, okay? Please don't go walking around snakes in Jesus' name. Because all that's going to happen is you're going to get bit in Jesus' name. This is figuratively, okay? But don't rejoice. Because it's obeying. You know what most Christians don't understand? That while demons come to oppress us, they try to get us to obey their foul and destructive plans. We don't have to obey them. We choose to obey them. But here's the truth. Demons have to obey us. They have to obey us. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Listen, the man we read in the passage had a legion of demons in him. And Jesus set him free of every single one of them. Now, I want you to notice something. I want you to notice something. This is where I'm going. I'm getting ready to end. When Jesus was coming and this man saw him, what does verse 6 say he did? Can somebody tell me? What does verse 6 say the man did? He ran to Jesus and bowed down. Let me tell you something. If there was somebody demons could stop from coming to Jesus, it was this man. But they couldn't. And while you and I may have strongholds, we do not have more strongholds than this man did. You know how I know? You still have your clothes on. The good news, listen, the good news is that we can be set free. Amen. That Jesus wants us to be free. We don't just want to be saved. 
We don't just want our destiny to be heaven, but we want heaven to be here while we're alive. And until every stronghold in our life, until every sin, until every decision, every activity in our life that comes from the evil one is broken, we will never be truly free. Look at what Jesus said in John 8, 36. If you have a sin and it's difficult, your behavior is showing your behavior, and you just can't break it, you can't stop it, you have a bondage in that area. There's some of you that you're in bondage to materialism. You're in bondage to pornography. You're in bondage to depression. You're in bondage to gossip. You've told Jesus, I'm going to stop. I'm not going to do this again. But what ends up happening? You do it again. And listen, you're in bondage. Now, here's what you need to know. I'm not telling you this, again, to make you feel bad. I'm telling you this because you've got to know that you can be set free. Amen. You know who are the only people that can't be set free? Those who do not recognize that they need to be set free. If you keep pretending, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, but there's so much lust, there's so much hate, there's so much negativity in your mind and in your heart, you will continue in bondage to the day you die. But you don't have to. Because here's what Jesus said, and by the way, he's not talking about salvation here. He's talking about our freedom to choose to live free or to go back in bondage. John 8.36 says, so if the Son sets you free... What happens? You will be free indeed. I want to do something. I want to pray. And I've been preparing for this for about two weeks. I want to pray because I want to break every stronghold that the enemy has in our lives. And I want to tell you that I already had my personal time with God because there were some areas in my life that God needed to break. And I just want to tell you that you can be set free. Here's what you got to do. Four things you got to do, and I'm going to lead you to them. First, you got to recognize you need help. If you don't recognize it, if you pretend that everything's okay, it is not okay. And let me tell you this. Demons will bring destruction to your life. Your marriage will end. Your health will end. Your finances will end. Your career will end. Whatever area there's a stronghold, the enemy will bring death in that, in that area. The second thing you got to do is you got to repent to God and to others. Yes, you repent to God. You know what repentance includes? Repentance is not just confession. Repentance is a change of mind. And we need to be able to not just tell God, but we need to tell others, those that we've offended. If you've been unfaithful to your wife, you don't just need to tell God. You need to tell her too to be set free. Here's why. The enemy works in secrecy. The enemy works in darkness. And as long as it stays in secrecy and in darkness, he has power over us. But as soon as light is shed into our situation, then freedom comes. The third thing you got to do is you got to renounce to the lies of Satan. Every stronghold has a lie behind it. Every stronghold. There's some people who believe being normal in their life, and that is not true. There is a spirit of 
is a spirit that brings sickness. And I'm not saying that every time you get sick, there's a demon behind it. That's not what I'm saying. But there are people who have believed the lie that, well, I'm just always going to be sick. Why? You don't always have to be sick. There's some people who have a bondage of debt. Well, we're always going to have payments. No. Jesus came not just to set you free spiritually, but to set us free in every area. And you can be set free financially. So you got to renounce to the lies. Oh, this is no big deal. It's just physical. No, it's not. It's spiritual and it matters to God. And then number four, you got to receive the gifts of the Father. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but He didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in Him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Day Spring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.